Hi everyone, happy Friday. I am super excited to jump back into another Fitness Friday and just do some real talk with you all. I always emphasize consistency and I truly believe it is one of the main factors that contributes to results, but I know that a lot of people are really interested in how much your genetics impact your ability to lose and gain weight and what an appropriate timeline would be to see results in. So let's start with genetics. They definitely impact your ability to lose or gain weight, but they're not the only determining factor, and in many cases, your genetic tendencies can be overcome. The part that gets tricky, though, is that Harvard Health says that the amount that your genetics impacts your ability to lose or gain weight varies person to person. So for someone, it could be 25% and for someone, it could be 70%, which means that their genetics heavily impact their ability to lose or gain weight, which is neither a positive nor negative thing. But you have to remember that where you hold weight, when you gain it, your height, certain features, other genetic conditions that you're predisposed to All of those affect your appearance and how you look. And so it's a lot more than just your weight, but also all of the other factors of your genetics that could um, determine just even if you don't weigh how much you want to weigh, just how that weight looks on you and sits on you is very different than a different person with the same weight maybe. Another thing that's important to note is essential fat percentage. So essential fat percentage for men is about 3%, which means that that is technically all of the fat that they need to have in their body and everything else can be muscles, bones, etc. That doesn't mean it's a healthy fat percentage to have at all, but that's all that they really need in their body. And for women, it's 8 to 12%. So for women, you have to note that it's slightly higher, um, which means that Sometimes as women get down to lower and lower body fat percentages, it becomes really unhealthy for them faster than it becomes unhealthy for men. So sometimes we see those symptoms of getting too close to being too low to our essential body fat percentage faster. For example, um, a lot of women lose their periods when they're the, when their body fat is that low. They can experience hair loss and a lot of other symptoms um, that just aren't really positive. So even... Um, just across the board, we do have different limiting factors. Now, there is another theory called set point theory that um, kind of operates with genetics, but also in its own realm where your body supposedly has a set weight that it's happy at. And when it kind of gets too high, um, you're going to start seeing a lot of symptoms that your body just isn't happy and the same thing happens when it gets too low and I believe that I mentioned her before but there is a bodybuilder on YouTube that I love watching and her name is Stephanie Buttermore and she was super lean super shredded for a really long time in her life and then she kind of did this whole journey of going all in because essentially when her body fat percentage was so so low that you were able to see like so many of her muscles great definition in her body she started experiencing these things called hunger pangs which meant that she was hungry basically the whole day. Like she, she wasn't eating the whole day because she was trying to stay lean. So she was eating at her set meal times, but she would go to sleep hungry and awake hungry. And that's just not a way to live. And so she went all in, which means she essentially ate for as long as she was hungry. And that did cause her to gain a lot of weight in the beginning, 
But then slowly her weight started dropping as her body was able to re-regulate because what had happened before was her body wasn't able to decipher when it was actually hungry because she wasn't feeding herself enough and she was feeding herself only at set meal times, not when she was actually hungry. And so when she started eating intuitively and when she really felt the need to eat, she was able to re-regulate her body and her weight slowly started dropping. Um, not to where she was before, obviously, but to a theoretical set point where her body is happy at, where her body is able to function properly and maintain its normal um, ability to regulate itself. And so there's a lot of different theories on where an individual's body fat needs to be. Um, And I'd be happy to do individual videos on each of those different theories. But basically... The amount that your genetics affect your ability to lose weight depends entirely on you. And there are tests that you can do that will help you figure that out. But honestly, I feel like unless you are experiencing um, some sort of extreme inability to gain weight or lose weight, the average person may not need to do those tests. And you may kind of figure out um, yourself where you lose weight last and where you gain it first and all of that just kind of by going through the process of experimentation. So I kind of want to talk about that too and what an appropriate timeline is to see results. And I have only one answer and it's not going to be very helpful, but it's however long it takes for you. Now, I did want to touch on the fact that it is not healthy to drop 30 pounds in like two months unless you are in a very specific situation where you had some sort of allergy or resistance to some kind of food that you managed to cut out or you're working with a doctor to go through that process. And like a doctor is very different than a nutritionist because the health impacts of losing that much weight in such a short period of time are insane. But if you think about 30 pounds in two months, that's like an eight week period and you're losing probably three pounds every week, which is a lot of weight to be losing. So you would be in a massive caloric deficit. So again, unless you're working with a professional to be in that situation, that's not super healthy maybe a pound a week, but I would say that your goal should never be short-term and how much you're going to lose in short-term periods of time because then you're more likely to fall into an unhealthy way of trying to reach that goal, even if it's not realistic. So kind of shoot for the long-term, maybe shoot for a weight that you want to hit, but not necessarily like a super rigid timeline in which you want to hit it. And again, the best course of action is to always work with a professional on this kind of stuff because while personal trainers and nutritionists can give you dietary and working out advice like if it is a medical situation you should work with a person who is licensed to actually help you in that way the biggest piece of advice i have here is don't rush it Um, by that i mean a lot of different things don't force it don't set a very specific timeline and then force yourself to try to meet it even if it's clearly not working Um, More results do not mean that you have to do more workouts and more workouts do not mean faster results. You can progressive overload, which means increase your weight, but you have to be careful, especially when you're training by yourself, because the risk for injury is huge when you do it quickly. And even when you're training with someone else, if that person doesn't know how they're supposed to spot you or support you, there's a lot of things that um, as a personal trainer, I have learned in my course through NASM about the proper ways to spot people. And I think that a lot of people who haven't done a course on that 
can do it incorrectly, which maybe you're getting away with it at lower weights, but at higher weights, that slowly becomes more dangerous for both you, the person holding the weight, and the person who's spotting you if they don't know how to do it properly. The reason that I emphasized even last episode on rest days that you shouldn't rush it is because anytime you're forcing your body to do something that it's clearly not able to do, you are increasing the risk of overtraining and therefore injury and injury creates a setback. And honestly, if you think about it long term, um, if you're going to be doing more workouts and not necessarily get faster results, but instead put yourself at risk of injury, that's therefore going to set you back and put you even further behind on a goal that you're already eager to achieve. Why would you take that gamble? It's just so much better to go slowly. And also I think that just like any sort of journey, just like you take your education and your career, there's so much to learn during your fitness journey. What training styles work for you, what you enjoy, how your body recovers, and all of those things are super important in this journey because it should be a lifelong one. Even if your goal isn't to necessarily lose weight every single part of that journey or gain weight or put on muscle, it should be a journey about keeping your body healthy and doing what's right for your body. Um, And even if you do decide to train for aesthetics, you need to take care of your body in that journey. I also want to add that diet plays a huge role. And that's why I talk about how a little bit about how genetics can be overcome in some ways, because a lot of people will tell you that it's actually 80-20 and the 80 is the diet and the 20 is your working out. And the reason for that is because your workouts are responsive to what you put in your body. So an example of that is um, there was a point where I was lifting uh, pretty heavy for my body weight. Obviously, it wasn't like 200, 300 pounds, but I think I was deadlifting maybe like 110 pounds. And at the time, I probably weighed 120 pounds, so almost my body weight. And I wasn't seeing muscle growth in my glutes or in my hamstrings, and I really couldn't understand why. And finally, I went and I worked with a doctor slash nutritionist, and he told me my protein intake was way too low. And that's when it made sense to me. If my body didn't have anything to convert into muscle, how was I going to see any results? And that's why I'm saying that diet plays such an important role in your ability to gain gain and lose weight, gain and lose muscle. And it takes a while to get this right too. So what I do is I keep a list in my phone of foods my body doesn't react well to. So rice is an example of that. Rice causes me to feel bloated. And I actually grew up eating a lot of rice, but I noticed recently that I just, it doesn't sit the best with me. And so I avoid it. I do eat it sometimes. I don't ban any foods, but if your body's reacting to certain foods and they cause you to retain water, for example, it will change the appearance, uh, change your appearance. And if you don't want to look that way for a certain day, it's just good to know what foods your body should avoid. Um, in addition to that, I also am vegetarian, which is a personal choice, um, which means that I don't get as much protein as someone that eats meat because I don't eat meat at multiple meals, which a lot of, um, Meats and fish are complete proteins, which means you're getting everything that you need. And so to combat that, I make sure that I have protein shakes that are from protein powders that are whey protein. So they come from dairy, but I know that they have all the vitamins that I need in them. And so there are ways to make sure that you're getting what you need without having to change certain parts of your lifestyle if that's your choice. 
And I'm actually trying to figure out how to really make sure my protein intake stays up while enjoying the foods that I eat as a vegetarian. So if you all want um, some sort of an episode on that, on why I chose to become vegetarian, on how I manage my protein intake as a vegetarian, I would love to do an episode on that. But the last part of this episode that I wanted to get into on Real Talk was comparison culture. Now, this is the hardest thing to talk about because I'm guilty of it. I know a lot of other people are guilty of it. And usually it's negative comparison where you look at someone else and you see them as better than you. The first example here is celebrities. Now, there's a couple things to remember when you're looking at celebrities. First, their job is to maintain a certain aesthetic. So when you see those videos online of how um, Viola Davis gained a bunch of weight for one of her recent movies and then lost it all for another movie in like the short span of three months, you have to remember that is literally part of her job. She has to do that. If she doesn't do that, she doesn't get to act in those movies. And they equip her with all the tools she needs to do that because they also have money which means they can pay for the best trainers. Um, And while training knowledge is free to everyone, let's remember how much of an impact diet has. They also have personal chefs that have the ability to prepare all kinds of different foods for them and make everything taste good. And the rest of us don't have that ability. And so when we come home after school or work and we're tired and we want to just eat a really quick, fast meal and throw some chicken nuggets into the microwave or some mini pizzas, that is perfectly valid and that's fine and there's there's very little that we can do about that. Yes, we can meal tra- meal prep and stuff, but getting bored of food is a natural thing and I would say that we have to keep in mind that it's the job of a lot of these celebrities to look a certain way and they have the money to do it and that maybe not everything about them is real. We don't know all the surgeries that some of them get, not invalidating a lot of them. A lot of them put in a lot of work to look the way they do and that's amazing, but they also have the resources to do it and it's their full-time job. Meanwhile, the rest of us are balancing our health and fitness journeys on the side of our career and our education. So just keep that in mind when you compare yourself to celebrities. Then is the comparison to other people. And I know that a lot of us do this. We look at our friends and we think they look better than us. And I'm guilty of that too, for sure. But we have to remember that there is where we can look at genetics. And we are built differently than them. We are prone to different things than them. And we don't know the full story. And there's so many reasons we just shouldn't compare ourselves to the people around us because it just affects us more than it affects them because they don't realize that we're doing it. And they also might have a lot of insecurities that they we just don't see. So when you're comparing yourself to people on YouTube that seem like just normal people or your friends, just remember that you never know the full story of how they came to look the way that they were. They could be struggling with things themselves. So it's really best to just focus on yourself, focus on being positive, um, because especially this year, you have to look so much at how your life was impacted. There was so much stress that we all took on a complete loss of routine and we keep going in and out of lockdowns, at least in the US and I know a lot of other countries as well. So all of that affects your body even without you realizing it. Like you might see the lack of physical activity you're getting, but even stress, for a lot of people, stress can cause them to not eat enough food, which means you might be losing a lot of muscle, losing a lot of weight, or eat more food, which means you might be gaining weight. And either way, you just have to remember that hopefully this pandemic 
taught you that there are more important things than how you look. And of course, you should keep your body healthy. But I think that we also need to be grateful about what our bodies do for us. And so that's kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on, which is that it's so much about mentality. You attract what energy you put out. And if you're always harder on yourself, it's going to be harder to get results and see results, even if when you do get them, because you're always looking for the worst. And I know that that's easy for us because we see all of the things about ourselves that other people don't. But I instead have been trying to practice gratitude. So I always try to acknowledge that I have more work to do, but I'm also grateful that my body has the capability to do that work and that it works for me every single day just to keep me healthy, keep me moving. And I kind of wanted to end on that note of gratitude for today. So hopefully this Real Talk episode was helpful. Like I said before, if anything in this episode interested you, just shoot me a quick message on the Instagram at nits.g and I'd be happy to do a separate episode on that. But other than that, I hope you all have a great Friday and I will be back next week with a finance episode that is on college money.